Hi, my name is Kevin Vondro, Chief Lending Officer at West Hill Bank and host of Sharing Knowledge Series. What are the financial trends to keep an eye on as we move into 2022? Today we discuss the economic outlook and trends we see as we head into the new year in the latest episode of Sharing Knowledge Series. Thank you for joining us here today as we talk about a very important topic, and that is the economy and the forecast for 2022. We have two guests returning to talk about that. First, we have Brian Toma from FHT Advisories. And Brian, why don't you talk a little bit about FHT and, and yourself? Yeah, so thanks for having me back. Good to oh. be with both of you. Yeah. We're excited to have you back. Thank you, thank you. So uh, Brian Toma, FHT Advisors. We have offices in Cleveland and Cincinnati. Um, clients in 32 states. Uh, we oversee the financial affairs for individuals and small businesses all over the country. So thank you, thank you for having me. Oh, thank you for joining us. And we have our very own John Park, who's CEO and founder of Westfield Bank. And and, and this is a special year about what for Westfield Bank. John, why don't you talk yeah, about sure that? Yeah, it sure is. So uh, we're celebrating our 20th anniversary this year. And also we crossed over the two billion in asset mark. So we're proud of both of those things. And another thing for the second year in a row, we won North Coast 99 Top Employer Award. And specifically, we won the uh, Best Employer in Northeast Ohio for the banking, finance, and insurance sector. So that was the first time we won that award. So we're pretty excited about that. All right. Those are great accomplishments in such a short period of time. And a lot of it has to do to your leadership, John. So thank you. So last time we talked about the economy was, was roughly this time last year. Uh, was It was towards the end of 2020. And there was a lot of talk. Um, we're in the middle of a recession. And really, the, the talk was... What kind of recovery was it going to be? Was it going to be a V-shaped curve? Was it going to be a W? Um, and, and obviously, it's uh, it looks like it's a V-shaped curve, and and we're 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 recovered and, and growing. But I think really we want to talk about what are some of the some of the issues or concerns for 2022 that may derail us a little bit, um, or or could potentially derail us. So let's talk about that. And I think the first thing that comes to mind is, is the pandemic, right? The coronavirus. Um, it's had a, like a big impact us on, on us in, in 2020. We've had a little bit of a surge, uh, third quarter 2021. And then what does it look like? Like what, what impact will it have on, on the economy in 2022? John, we'll start with you. Well, I mean, there's lots of uncertainty in the marketplace, but the government stimulus seems to have been very effective. So we've had a nice V-shaped recovery. Uh, real GDP is actually higher than it was pre-pandemic, which is the telltale sign that we've uh, exited the recession a while ago. Um, I, I think with all the stimulus in the market that we're going to continue to be fine. Um, uh, economic activity is projected to remain strong. I know we're going to get to that in a minute, but uh, the risk of recession is is quite low for 2022. So I think I think next year is going to be a pretty good year. Some of the lingering effects of the pandemic could be changes in demand for office space, retail space, hotels, convention centers. Um, we have not really seen that effect come through yet, but I, I think that shoe is yet to drop. It could happen next year, uh, which will probably look like less construction demand um, and perhaps a decrease in some of the lease rates uh, for some of those properties as we well, get into 22. Well, that, that's great information. 
Brian, do you have anything you want to add on? I mean, that? it's tough to follow that, yeah. but I will add a few things. We talked about, you know, we've heard V-shaped recovery. We've heard W, K, which I, you know, it doesn't make sense to me, the whole K, how yeah. you draw that out. But, you know, I was thinking about what it actually looks like. And for me, uh, I just came up with this last night. It, in my view, it's going to look like kind of a check mark with a tilde, right? So I think we've seen that V-shape, the longer right side, right, is, is the check mark. And we're seeing a little bit of a lull at the moment, supply chain disruptions, things like that. Um, and then I think we're off to the races again. So I'm like you, you know, for 2022, I do see a very strong economy, maybe slowing at the end of next year and into 2023. Um, but for me, it's a check mark with a tilde. Yeah. And, and it's, it's interesting you bring up supply chain disruption. We've heard that a lot. Um, it's, a, it's a common theme and it's had an impact on, on businesses uh, across all industries. Uh, do you want to elaborate more on that and, and, and how that's impacted businesses? Yeah. So from our eyes, you know, we're seeing that add to inflation, you know, the, the inflationary aspects of things. However, we don't think it's going to be a lasting effect. We're seeing uh, shipping costs rise significantly. We, we don't think that's going to be a lasting thing either. So supply chain in the near term is going to continue. We're seeing automotive be affected probably in the mid-2022, I would assume. Um, so we're still going to feel the effects of this for a while, but it won't be long-lasting. And, and you mentioned temporary, and I think the word they like to use is transitory, right? Inflation's mm -hmm. transitory. So, I mean, John, is it is it? Do you really think it is transitory? Um, we're, we're starting to see wage inflation. We're seeing like just the cost of product and material are, are rising. Do you, do you believe it truly is transitory? Inflation? Well, it depends on which it, how you define transitory. I would say we're in, we're in and likely to stay in a higher inflation rate environment. So, inflation for the last twelve months has run at the highest level it has in forty years. So we've gone a long time without having a higher inflation rate. The Fed's always projected a 2% inflationary target. They just raised it to three. Um, but if you go back 20 years and you look at what is the inflationary average for consumer goods, it actually was negative. So I believe it was negative 1.9 the last 20 years, not counting this last year. Uh, and then this year, I think consumer prices are up six to 7%. Um, wage inflation uh, has, has been coming on strong, is real, and once it's in place, isn't reversible. Uh, Brian mentioned shipping costs are going up. Uh, they probably won't stay at this elevated level, but they're probably going to be higher going forward. So I, I think we're going to be going into a, a environment where inflation is probably going to run ahead of Fed's expectation. I believe the projection for 22 is a 3.3%. You mentioned, is it transitory? Um, I guess I'd say I think it's going to come down from what we've experienced in the last 12 months, but it's going to be higher than the 20-year average. So, Brian, is there anything you want to? No, I agree with all that. I, what I, when we hear higher inflation, I think people think, wow, that's bad, yeah. right? Um, but to your point, it's been running negative in some sectors. Uh, I think it's going to run higher, but it's not going to be detrimental in the long, in the long term. And we're going to see things, and I'm skipping ahead, but artificial intelligence, which is actually deflationary. So it's going to bring costs down, you know, over the long run. Yeah. So there's a lot of things happening from a technology perspective that we think is deflationary that's going to combat that. Yeah. 
Now, John, you mentioned the, the 3% um, in the next year. I, I think that's a, a good thing for business owners to think about because as they're looking at budgets for next year and, sure. and what type of cost of living adjustments they need to, to provide for employees, 3% is probably a realistic number when, when you think about it from that standpoint. Yeah, some statistics are showing to keep consumers level at the same place of purchasing power that will need raises in the five to 6% range for 2022. Uh, so that is higher than what we've seen for quite a few years. Well, with everything going on in the economy, um, there's there's been a feeling of, I think they call it risk on, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> where, where people, there, there's risk out there, but people aren't taking that into consideration um, when they're making their investments. Yeah. I don't know if you wanna comment on that. Yeah, we're in an environment there. there's so much money in the system with all the government stimulus, the increase in the money supply and low rates. There's, there's lots of money trying to find a place to get yield. So the term risk on means that people are investing in lots of things and you're really not getting paid a premium to take additional risk. So an example might be buying junk bonds and China real estate funds. Um, you're really not getting a very big premium. Um, and markets always cycle between risk on, uh, where rates are and spreads are low, um, and we don't know when or what will trigger a risk off cycle. But when you go to risk off, people start to uh, sell things to protect their principal, and then the spreads for more risky stuff goes up, and then you start to see losses emerging in certain sectors. Uh, there's nothing on the horizon that suggests that cycle will change, but when it does, things will start to reprice. Yeah, we're, I'll take risk on a different direction too. We'll talk about the stock market. So from that perspective, uh, it seems the market is brushing off most bad news. You hear bad news and think, oh my goodness, you know, the market's gonna pull back a little bit today, it goes up. And so we're seeing, to your point, there's not a lot of places where we can take money and get paid for it. You know, savings accounts aren't paying that much. Bond, as interest rates rise, bonds go down. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So so it's a very interesting time and people are actually getting paid for the risk that they're taking. My concern is um, because of the market performance. My concern is, are they taking the appropriate level of risk? Do they actually under, understand the risk that they're taking? Uh, so my biggest concern at the moment is you have people that are buying cryptocurrency. Mm. They don't even know what it is. Yeah. And they think the way that money works is you put in a dollar, tomorrow they wake up, they have $2 and think that this is amazing. Yeah. And, but they don't understand the risk that they took to get that dollar. And so f education is a really big deal for us. I'm cool with anybody buying something that they understand, not what they don't understand. And so risk is okay if you really know what you're getting into. Uh, the stock market, I think the Warren Buffett, um, you know, key indicator is, you know, market cap divided by GDP of companies mm -hmm. and it's double what it usually is. So that's a really big deal. So people see that as a ba major risk um, in the market. I would submit that you have tech companies that are growing and growing and growing that maybe it's not as important of an indicator as it used to be. So I just want people to understand the risk that they're taking and if it's appropriate for them. No, that, that's, that's, that is good information and important. You mentioned something about um, bond prices um, and they're, they're, they're inverted to, to interest rates, right? So as, as rates are, are projected to go up, bonds are, are gonna be coming down. So that brings up another 
uh, topic and, and really more around monetary policy and, and what, what is the government doing? Um, what have they done and what are they looking to do um, in, the, in the future to help um, stimulate the economy and, and keep the economy going um, along in the right direction? Mm-hmm. John, I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about that. Well, the government's up to all kinds of uh, different actions. So this morning they reappointed uh, Fed Chair Powell. So that eliminates some uncertainty in the marketplace. There was questions around, was he properly handling the inflation risk? And now that they've reappointed him, I think that helps. Um, But other things that we see uh, would be from an interest rate standpoint, um, the current um, 10 year treasury rates around a 1.5, it's projected to go up probably around 2% in early 22, ending at two and a half percent by the end of 22. Now keep in mind that that rate is below what we think inflation is going to be. So the money will actually be eroding to some extent. Um, the Fed did announce that they're starting their taper, which was in, in uh, November. And the taper is they had been buying 120 billion of bonds a month called quantitative easing. And it's the largest, most significant tool in their arsenal. And they're going to phase out the taper uh, in June when they'll stop buying bonds. And I think that's going to have an impact on the slope of the yield curve and interest rates. So as I mentioned that interest rates are projected to go up, part of it is because the Fed is stepping out of the market as the largest purchaser of bonds. Uh, We also have the infrastructure bill, uh, which just recently passed. Um, Whenever the government puts in lots of money into the system, it usually has a nice strong stimulative effect. Um, so I think that's going to boost the economy probably in 22 and 23. It's obviously increasing the U.S. deficit and debt, um, but I think that's going to be favorable for the economy. Now, as we're talking about inflation, what impact is, is the housing market going to have on that? We know prices are, are rising um, in houses dramatically. It's, it's hard to find the inventory, which I think is exasperating that and, and, and causing uh, prices to rise. Does it feel like 2008 again um, when you think about that and there's a concern for a housing bubble? Yeah. Yeah, I don't see it being like 2008. In 2008, we had subprime lending and the standards to get a loan were quite lenient at the time. We don't have that situation today. So I don't see that we're in a, in a bubble in terms of a credit crisis. Uh, but it, values have gone up pretty significantly. I think that reflects... So much cash in the market, there's, there's, we, the government has put in more stimulus money and with cash buyers, um, that is having an impact. Also the pandemic and the work from home revolution is allowing people to move and change and decide where they wanna work. And that's increased demand for housing. So I think we're seeing one, we had 20, 2020, we probably had suppressed housing demand because we were in lockdown. In 21, I think you're seeing a rebound, the, the bounce back from 20, as well as the work from home changes um, and lots of cash has increased demand. So um, housing app start applications, if you look at them, the last 12 months, they were running very strong. They started to slow down. 
But if you look at it and compare it to 2007, we're still at the best, some of the best levels we've ever been for housing activity. So I think we're going to be see expansion in housing. I think you'll see the price increases start to taper off as supply demand catches up. Uh, but housing is going to be more expensive. I just don't think you're going to see the continued increase in prices. Okay. I agree wholeheartedly. Uh, you know, when you look at prices in different sec- different areas of the country. I think we have to focus on, um, you know, Florida could very well be, because it's a big-time destination, while they are severely inflated and they may come down a little bit, I don't see those prices coming down significantly ever. Um, it's just a destination that people like to be at. Um, you have people from California moving to Ohio. Their dollars are going to go yeah. much further, yeah. right? Interest rates are at historic. They're, they're ticking up a little bit, but it's still very easy to lower your payment. And people are moving from 30-year to fixed year or 15-year fixed. So that's a really big deal. Um, so there's a lot to watch. I don't see a crash. If you purchased a house in last year, and there's been a lot of movement, by the way, um, people have bought and sold homes. It's very difficult. The application process is not fun. No. So, there, so the banks are digging into, as they should, people's financial situation and they're covering the risk, not like 06, 07, 08, 09, right? So there's a big, big difference from a credit standpoint. Um, So that makes me feel a little bit more comfortable. And I think where rates are, they're almost at historic lows. And and then there's room for rate increases and still to keep those house payments affordable, um, especially when you think about historic rates uh, for mortgage loans. Yeah, we've had we've been in a refinance boom with low rates, and that's probably we'll probably see most yeah. of that go away in twenty two. Yeah, and and you, and you mentioned um, increasing uh, the deficit and debt, and they got to pay for it some some way. And there's talk of tax reform and sure. and things that are going to happen there. And Brian, I don't know if you want to talk about that and what uh, what potential um, changes that uh, our, our viewers should be aware about. Yeah, so so uh, let me go back real fast sure. to, to interest rates. So when people hear about interest rates rising, there's a lot of concern about that. Uh, interesting fact, 2016 to 2018, I believe it was December to December, there was eight short-term interest rate mm-hmm. hikes. During that period, uh, the market was up, I believe, 15.8%. Mm-hmm. So not a prognostication by any means, but history tends to repeat itself in some way, shape, or form. So I don't think it's a detrimental thing that we're raising rates. I actually think it's a good thing. It's it's needed. I think it's overdue. I agree with you. I think Powell, uh, the reappointment of Powell, um, we're big on consumer sentiment. I mean, that's one thing that's actually been falling recently, which is something that we watch. So from our perspective, that takes away some uneasiness of what the future looks like. We know Powell. Um, so so I'm I'm really excited about that. As far as paying for all of this, right? Um, yes, uh, taxes are going to go up yeah. for some people, um, both from a corporate and individual perspective, and I think that's going to that's going to continue. Um, it's the market that we're in. Um, we got to figure out a way to pay for this. Yeah. Um, the infrastructure bill, I think, is something that's needed, and those dollars are going to hit our businesses. So. If you think about one of the biggest things that I'm watching is electric vehicles. Mm-hmm. Uh, 73, my concern is it's not about the vehicles. It's about can our grid, our electrical infrastructure handle all of this when we start plugging things in. And so I believe they set aside $73 billion just for the electrical grid infrastructure. So I want to take it one step further and see 
what do we need to do? What investment needs to be made to make the infrastructure work? What could what could that be? So if you buy me a bacon turkey Bravo, you know, <laughs> tomorrow maybe I'll tell you about what our thoughts are. <laughs> sure. Um, uh, but that's one of my big things is how, where do these dollars eventually end up? Because infrastructure is a really big deal. I, I think we're already starting to see some of that in, in, in transactions um, going on with businesses, um, just expecting that the capital gains rate is going to go up and, sure. and transitioning businesses. Um, is, is there... I don't know, what, what's your thoughts on, on that? And, and then maybe what you think it could look like, what it goes to. I think selling will accelerate, you know, in the market. And I don't mean to sell off. I think people are going to buy equities, sell their equities and immediately rebuy them because there's nowhere else to get the returns that they've been seeing and that they seek. So I think they're going to be selling, pay their capital gains, which is going to be at a lower rate today, increase their cost basis and restart the process. But I don't think we're going to see people sell and stay away. So accelerating selling, pay the capital gains this year, um, increase their tax basis, and then restart the process. That's what we're seeing. We've had a historically low capital gains rate, so I think increasing it could be healthy for the economy. Um, they're targeting a 25% capital gains rate. So I think you will see some people selling, you'll see more companies selling. Yeah. Um, but I think the market's gonna acclimate to it relatively quickly. Good. Now, one thing I think uh, viewers like to, to uh, know more about are, are what are some of the key indicators that both of you look at to really help understand and, and project what the performance of, of, of the economy is gonna be. Uh, in the next 12 to 24 months. So, John, why don't sure. you talk about some I mean, I watch, I watch lots of things, uh, but the Atlanta Fed has what's called GDP Now. They update it every month. Um, the GDP Now in the third quarter came down from the second quarter, but they just revised it last week and they're projecting 8% growth in the fourth quarter, which is quite strong. And they're, they have a track record of being pretty accurate. So, GDP Now, I watch. Um, I like the Chicago uh, Economic Activity Index. It just, they released their number this morning. It comes out monthly in the third week. And it was a strong reading. So zero is flat. Uh, once you're above 0.7, it indicates inflationary pressure. Below 0.7 indicates we're in a recession. The October reading was 0.76, which is really strong in getting into the maybe the inflation uh, category is starting to stick. Um, I like that one. I like uh, the labor participation rate, how many people are in the workforce. Um, you can look at the percentage, but I guess rather than give you the percentage, a couple numbers that might be more meaningful is currently we have 10 million less workers in the workforce compared to pre-pandemic. Uh, and that's more people out of work than when we had the Great Recession. And the labor participation rate has come down and it's at the lowest point it's been in 50 years. So uh, that's an indicator of how many people are gainfully employed and wanting employment. Um, so, so I look at others, but those would probably be three on the top of my list. I, I think the, the question everyone wants to know is where do those 10 million workers go? <laughs> that, that's a question I don't think anyone has the answer for. Yeah. Well, we do have an aging workforce coming back, a aging uh, people who used to work that are coming back into the workforce, yeah, which is a fascinating thing to see. 
mean, if you drive through a McDonald's drive-thru, I'm not saying I've been to McDonald's recently except for yesterday. Um, <laughs> but if you go through, you don't see on average a younger person you know, at the counter. Uh, we're seeing people coming out of retirement to come back to work. And it's, it's an interesting thing to watch. And we're watching consumer sentiment. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's not just how the economy is doing, it's how people feel about how it's going, yeah. right? So that's actually slipping a little bit, uh, but manufacturing looks great. Uh, so there's a lot of things from a recession standpoint. We have, our research team says very, very low risk. Yeah, yeah I, I think, uh, I mean, we look at all the numbers are, are good and we think of GDP, that's a great number for, for businesses to look at because that means that their revenue and sales are projected to grow next year yeah. um, in, into 2022. I guess I would offer too that as I look at metrics, I, I don't necessarily like the percentage change up and down. I just like the whole numbers. So if you look at real GDP, you know, they'll say we went up 6% in the second quarter, you know, but what is it on a, on a dollar standpoint? In real GDP now, it's 19.7 trillion, but it's higher than where we were pre-pandemic. So if you track kind of the totals and not the percentage changes, gives you a little better indication of where we are. This is a much more pleasant conversation we're having this year compared to last year. Yes. And and I think we were focusing more on those indicators. Hey, what do do we need to be aware of? like when a recession is coming and, and, and when we're going to be coming out of it. But, you know, just in the conversation we have, 2022 looks like a great year and, and possibly into 2023. But is there that one black swan event that we need to be careful or, or cognizant of as, as business owners out there? Oh, I can, I can think of a couple. So if we had to go back to lockdowns because of the pandemic, none of us know, but that's probably negative. Um, the world's then adapting to it. But if we did more lockdowns like Austria just did it, uh, that, that would have a, ne- a negative economic drag. Um, another one that's looming out there and it seems like they're pushing the envelope down the road would be uh, the China real estate debt crisis. They issued uh, over a trillion dollars a dollar denominated junk bonds and they're they're doing their best not to default, but it looks like defaults are imminent and that could start a ripple effect through some of the markets where we're talking about risk on, risk off. That has the effect of it could trigger the market into a let's offload risk. Um, so those those uh, events come to mind and I, I don't know, Brian, you might have a couple others. Yeah, the same, the same for me, but also, you know, what we don't know, right? I mean, I think that's the definition of a black swan event. We just don't know what it's going to be. Um, but I would submit geopolitical unrest. I mean, that that speaks to sentiment, you know, ripple effects. Mm-hmm. So we don't know where it's going to be. You know, I, I don't think there's a likelihood of war, but there's conflict, right? And that's always something to take into account. Um, and it just um, goes, once again, to, to sentiment. So if we think about um, China, uh, the ripple effect that could be meaningful, mm-hmm. and it's hard to hide that large scale of an issue, right? Yeah. Um, so we're watching those. Another one that comes to mind is cryptocurrency, and I think you had some other questions, but it's now a three trillion dollar market. It's not regulated. Um, there's lots of people wanting to buy it. You kind of wonder if sentiment changes, and a lot of people want to sell their crypto. Will the price hold up? And it's a big enough market that that could cause a ripple effect or a black swan. On the flip side of that, 
If you think about regulation that's been coming out about crypto, we expected there to be a massive pullback, and there wasn't. Yeah. Um, so it's it's more about, like I go back to education, know what you're gonna buy. So, and if some guy in his basement happens to create a crypto, maybe look into it. Um, I mean, there are ones that have been more established. Just make sure you know what you're buying, so. It, it almost reminds you back, and I'm gonna go back in a way back machine to 2000 timeline around the, the dot-com yeah. boom and bust where anything that had tech behind it seemed like it, it, it took off, but there was really no no profits, no 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 substance behind it, and it, it just kind of imploded and, and, and caused uh, a little bit of a ripple in, in, in the economy at the time. And there was other things that, that came after that, shortly after that helped uh, exasperate that whole situation. But uh, no, those are good things to think about um, and, as we look into, uh, into, the, into the future. So if we had to give advice to our viewers out there for 2022 and into 2023 and, and, and really for planning around that, um, what, would you, what would you tell them? I'd say there's still some uncertainty in the marketplace. So with the pandemic, we're not sure exactly how this is going to play out. So for businesses, I think it's wise to carry higher cash balances um, and to be somewhat conservative in their management of their finances going into next year. I also think the, the shortage of labor and the number of people changing jobs is going to continue. I don't think we've seen the end of that. So to the extent companies can invest in automation, artificial intelligence, productivity improvements, now would be the time to make those investments. Um, it's also a good time, since rates are low, uh, to consider um, buying other companies, buying out shareholders, buying back your stock. Those those things are quite popular right now. Uh, so those would be a couple things that come to mind. I guess another one is, uh, is we may have hit, with the Fed stopping quantitative easing, this bond taper, we may have hit the bottom of a 40-year uh, bull market with declining interest rates, and they might be going up. I don't think they're going up fast, uh, but we've had the advantage of 40 years of generally declining interest rates uh, going up. So if you're a business owner, uh, you should think about, if you haven't done it yet, refinancing debt to lock in lower rates, um, because pretty soon I think the train's leaving the station sure. there and rates will start to go the other way. No, that's a good point. Brian, what would, what would you tell our, our audience? Yes. Yeah, so, so from year to year, my advice does not waver. I'm big on building a dream team. If you're a business owner, have a dream team. Have an advisor. If you have an advisor, get a CPA, get a great bank, get close with your bankers, have a great attorney, estate planning attorney, business attorney. Build that team around you, right, to always keep you focused on what your end goal is. And, and share with them. Say, hey, you know, I'd really like to slow down in five years. They should help you with succession planning, continuity agreements, getting that in place, having your documents in place because things happen, right? So being open with your team, helping them drive you to where you want to go, that's a really big deal. So making sure that you have a team that you trust surrounding you. And if there's one in that group that you don't trust or just you feel like you're not getting good advice, it's okay to replace them. You got to focus on what's important for you. No, that's that's great. One thing too, I, I was thinking in the conversation we have, especially with supply chain issues, is mm -hmm. is is companies when the when the opportunity is there, they should pre-buy and and, yeah. and build up inventory, um, as as you both said. Yeah. And, and AI is going to be 
key for in, in the future, um, especially for, to make businesses more and more competitive. Yeah, as I mentioned, I think AI is a big deal for most businesses going forward from, from healthcare Mm-hmm. to even online training, whatever it may be, it's going to reduce costs. It's, it's a deflationary thing. One thing that not a lot of people are talking about is the risks of AI, right? What happens, we're talking about all the great things it can do. What happens if it goes wrong? Mm-hmm. And so I do think that there should be some sort of regulation around that uh, because it could turn quickly and in the wrong direction. Um, and then as far as inflation or inventories go, you know, people are talking about inventory and how inventory is low. I would submit a tie right now because a lot of the inventories that we have are in our homes. Yeah. You know, how many times you go to the store and say, I don't need toilet paper. I have five stacks at home. And so inventory is there. It's high. It's just not in the stores. But we still have stores that are buying and buying and buying, and buying. I do think that that's going to catch up sometime. It's all great advice for for our our viewers out there. So we always give each one of our our guests, and you've done this before, to talk about really what's on your watch list. What what what, what are you looking at and you think is important or relevant for our viewers to know about? Oh, a couple things come to mind. I think we're on the verge of another significant productivity increase uh, that will be unfolding over the next five, 10 years. So uh, Wi-Fi, the interconnectedness of devices, uh, satellite communications that are going to fine-tune GPS and other things. There will be industries invented we don't even know about. Uh, we've talked about electrification of fleets and vehicles, which will require substantial investments. Um, so I'd, I'd, I'd say, you know, despite some of the uncertainties in the marketplace, that trend is going to be quite positive, and the U.S. is well-positioned to take advantage of that. Oh, good. Brian? Uh, you stole mine. <laughs> but how about how about human genomics? I mean, I think this is a really big deal with technology. Once again, I'm, I'm going back to AI, yeah. where we're diagnosing or the ability to diagnose things in a less invasive way, less costly way, which again is deflationary. Yeah. So watching what's happening in healthcare, I think is fascinating. And we're seeing surgeries happen online. Yeah. I mean, so this is a very exciting thing that we're just in its infancy. So... Um, it's going to bring costs down. It's going to help make America more healthy, right? Uh, it's easier to diagnose things. So watching that will be fun. And if we can lower the cost of health care, it's something like 20% of our GDP spend. We could redeploy into other things. Which Absolutely. Would be pretty positive. Absolutely. So those are all good points. One thing, too, I, I like to throw out there is, is something to think about or for business to think about. We, we talk about employees. It's hard to find and, and, yeah. and retain employees. And, and somehow we need to continue to see how we can be flexible in, in, our, in our work arrangements. And that's whether it's obtaining employees, especially the younger generation, they're going to want that flexibility um, to be able to, to, to work. But it's also going to be able to like ways that you can improve your, your talent pool um, of, of your workforce. So. I want to thank you both for joining us today. This was good to be uh, with you. Yeah, a, a good topic and, and a lot of good information. And, and I think uh, our viewers are really going to enjoy uh, listening to what you guys provided. Thank you. Great. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, good to be here, Kevin. Yeah. Sharing Knowledge is brought to you by Westfield Bank, hosted by Kevin Vondro, Chief Lending Officer. From the imagination and creativity of Chris Van Osdale, Elise Love, Suzanne Favory, Corinne Wilson, Kartika M. Caffey, the marketing and communications strategist at Westfield Bank. 
produced, edited, and mixed by Shark and Minnow. Learn more at westfield-bank.com forward slash SKS. Sharing knowledge and shedding light on the financial industry to empower financial freedom. The Sharing Knowledge series of videos, podcast episodes, and articles are for informational purposes only and is not intended to serve as legal, tax, financial investment, accounting, or regulatory advice. Opinions expressed and third-party information shared herein do not reflect the opinions of Westfield Bank, Westfield Group, or any of its subsidiaries or affiliates. The information shared does not constitute nor is intended as an offer or solicitation for the purchase or sale of any product or service. Testimonials may not be representative of the experience of other customers and are not guarantees of future performance or success. Bank products and services provided by Westfield Bank, member FDIC, an equal opportunity lender. Investment products are not FDIC insured, are not bank guaranteed, may lose value, are not a deposit, are not insured by any federal or state government agency. Westfield Bank does not provide legal advice. Securities and advisory services offered through Cetera Advisors, LLC, member FINRA, SIPC, a broker-dealer, and registered investment advisor. Cetera is under separate ownership from any other named entity. Freeman Heine Toma and FHT Advisors are registered trade names of Freeman Heine Toma, LLC, an Ohio limited liability company.